Okay. Welcome to Sunday School uh, with the uh, Good of the Bluegrass Conference. So some of you all were part of the uh, seminar yesterday, and we, we did a single seminar and then Q&A afterwards. But uh, because of the parenting and the marriage, people wanted to go to both, so we couldn't do it all back-to-back. So we decided to use Sunday School Hour to do the Q&A. So the parenting Q&A is down the fellowship hall. The marriage Q&A is here. You'll see behind me we have just some brilliant experts in the worlds of family and marriage. And I mean, the wisdom that exists up there is just spectacular. Uh, So I have a handful of questions from yesterday. However, if you have more questions that you'd like to talk, and you know how panels work. Uh, These can be helpful uh, but it does, we're kind of dependent upon having some good questions, and then in the dialogue, we'll ask that the Lord will bless all of this. So, uh, let me pray for us, and then I'll introduce our experts. Lord, thank you again for this weekend, and it, it, it has been fun, thinking and laughing and learning and being convicted, just in the whole world of family. And Lord, just as Robert preached this morning, we, I pray that we would all see that our ultimate family is what was made possible in Christ and that Jesus is our brother and God, the creator of the universe, is now our father and we cry out to him, Abba, Father. And you do command us and teach us uh, to live inside of our families and our marriages and marriage is meant to bring glory to Christ. And uh, so, Lord, as we talk through some of these issues and these topics, I pray that you would uh, speak to and through us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, just in case you don't know these folks, this is Wayne and Sandra Marlowe. You've been married for how long? For 41 and a half years. Is that right? Do you agree with that, Sandra? Good. We've said it wrong before, so. 41 and a half years. Lisa Randall, how long have you been married? 23 and a half. Is that a question? Uh, all right, that is true. And uh, Nate, the hardest question of all. All right, so Cynthia is out of town, couldn't make it back this morning. Uh, Cynthia's from Marshall County, and, you know, the school shooting was there a couple of weeks ago, but she was part of a, uh, a cheerleaders reunion anyway, but because of everything going on in Marshall County, she was really there this weekend, so she gets back today. So how long have you been married, Nate? Uh, 26 years. Congratulations. I'm certain. <laughs> uh, all right. I mentioned yesterday in our seminar that there have been several just kind of defining things that have influenced Lisa, me, and our marriage. Uh, Just so you know, Cynthia led Lisa to Christ, and then Nate and Cynthia discipled Lisa all through college. So we we really are a product of uh, Nate's ministry and Nate and Cynthia's ministry in so many ways, but they kind of coached us. Uh, They introduced us, then discipled us as we were learning and engagement and first couple years of marriage. There were several times, well, I remember one specifically because I remember exactly where I was standing, that we had to call Nate. This is back in the old days, pre-cell phone, where you could be on both lines at the same time. So Lisa was in one room, I was in the other room on the phone with Nate talking us down. (laughs) Like, okay, no, you don't run outside, you don't leave, you don't yell, just kind of coaching us how to do it. So... Um, anyway, uh, all right, here are, here are some questions from yesterday, and this is going to turn into uh, some other type of things. But one of the things I mentioned in a, in a healthy marriage is that uh, you become a student of your spouse. 
It's a lifelong journey that you're getting to know more and more things about your spouse over the years. It's not just premarital counseling. It's not just the first year of marriage. But, but your spouse is deeply interesting because he or she is made in the image of God, right? So you're always a student. You're always learning. Uh, so one of the questions from yesterday is this. What are some good open-ended questions to ask your spouse so that you can always be a student? All right, so what have you found to uh, increase dialogue by asking questions? Who wants to go first? Okay. Uh, Sandra, is that, are you volunteering? I think when I hear that question, I find myself wanting to know the um, motive behind it. Obviously, it's just to feel more connected to one another. So uh, when I had a discussion coming in um, that... I believe we do need to manage expectations and unrealistic expectations sometimes are set up for um, friction and tension. So for us, um, I think it does go beyond, you know, what you do today and, uh, you know, what's, um, you know, how to connect. But to be aware that it's never going to be that a wife probably feels that the husband is as attentive as she might want. And so we have found that timing is really important to have those conversations. So as much as the question is important, the timing for us was important. For um, In early married days, we had taken the biblical uh, scripture that was told to us, you know, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Mm-hmm. Not, that, not that questions looking to connect necessarily have anything to do with wrath, but timing we felt was a really important part of um, how to move towards an intimacy and uh, Wayne is not an evening person, so it was not something that we would have conversations after nine at night. So the timing was really important for, for behind it. Yeah. I, I, would, I would say one of the things that, that uh, is helpful is, is to find a, a, a common something that you enjoy together. So uh, for Sandra and I, we, we, uh, we probably the, the most fun thing we've ever done together is we, we did ballroom dancing classes for... I don't know how many years, several years. And what we found was that, that although I enjoyed it, I probably didn't enjoy it as much as she did, but I did enjoy it. And, and, but what I enjoyed the most about it was being with her. And there was communication that occurred in that time together and doing something together. And sometimes that means you might choose something that your spouse would really like to do and that you're okay with. But then you do that and you find that, gosh, that's pretty good. Really enjoyed that. All right, so as you did something new and interesting, then that just created good conversation along exactly. the way. Exactly. All right. Good answer. Well, Lisa. Un- unfortunately. What excellent questions does your <laughs> husband ask? <laughs> well, I have to say that um, he actually did give me a ballroom dancing gift certificate one year for, I don't know, Christmas, Valentine's Day, one of those. As you know, I'm not good at gifts. And... I was either pregnant or nursing or something, but anyway, we never used it. It expired, and I lost it, so I'm not great at that. So (laughs) what I do is I ask him questions to help me, like, Mark, what would you like to do for your birthday? Give me some ideas or possibilities that would speak the most love to you, because I'm terrible at that, and I always feel like a failure in it, and my favorite day is the day after his birthday, because I'm like, done. So... No, I do. I ask him, do you want to have a dinner party? Do you want to go somewhere? Do you want to stay at home? So I ask him questions so that he can help me. So then 
I don't feel like a failure, and then he's actually getting what he wants. It's kind of like so you trick him your options. husband, right? You trick him. No, I'm giving you options. Yeah. Okay. All right, Nate. <laughs> I think I'm done. <laughs> um, I uh, made the mistake of assuming what my wife was like and what uh, she liked and things like that. So. A great example in our early years of marriage, uh, we would go home with our small kids to her, either her family or to my family, and uh, and we'd just get there, and then by the time the weekend's over, I know what she expected and what she was like, because uh, I would get the brunt of that, because I, I didn't, I just assumed I could sit there and watch TV all day while everybody took care of the kids and things like that. So, so what we started doing, uh, especially when it comes to, like, like, vacation or going home just with your parents and everybody's going to be around is, is I just start asking her, well, what are your expectations of me for this weekend? And so that, 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 that went a long way. And so she would say, well, I expect this, this, and this. And then I can do that. Uh, you know, I, I, I do a lot better when someone tells me what the expectations are, expectations are than just trying to figure it out on my own. And then uh, another one that, guys, this is not easy, but how did that make you feel is a good question. And I'm not you know, the most uh, uh, affectionate type person and like that. But, uh, but when I ask that question, it, that can be either good or bad, but at least it's out there uh, of how that make you feel. And then you learn a lot about your, your spouse and uh, when she tells you, well, this made me feel this way, this made me feel this way. So try that one. How did it make you feel? All right, Let me just add one thing. I was going to say that when you do have those conversations with your spouse, Sandra and I have talked a lot about this over the years, but I think one of the critical things is be straightforward and upfront. Don't make me guess what you're thinking. Mm. And, and it's a, it becomes a game sometimes for couples, for women and men to kind of beat around the bush, but never say what their expectations are. Speak it. Be clear. You will, you will save an immense amount of emotional energy and time by being clear in your communication. Amen. Um, at Company of Men, our Thursday morning men's Bible study this past week, we, we had kind of a similar theme just in, in line with the conference. But one of our guys, uh, Bob Wilkinson, uh, you, you may know Wilkie. Uh, he doesn't go to this church, but he's part of our group. And, you know, this was the day after Valentine's. And he said, oh, this works beautifully. Every year, a week before Valentine's, I asked my wife, uh, what would surprise you the most if I took you to this place for dinner? And she tells him, and then he calls immediately and makes a reservation. You're like, how did you guess? And I'm like, that, that's the worst marriage advice ever, except for the fact it might work from time to time. Um, last night, as we were going through these questions, Robert and Abby were at our house, and we were going through stuff, and, and Robert had a good one. Uh, he said, as they kind of look at their week, he says he'll ask Abby, All right, what this week causes the most anxiety for you? Just what events going on in the week? What, what about our household? That sort of thing. What is it? And then both of them are on the same page as they think about, all right, I mean, Thursday night, we've got three different things happening at the same time. We've got to figure that out. So then both, husband and wife, are on the same team thinking about it and looking at your week together. All right, where, where is the one point that could cause the most anxiety? So I thought that was a good answer. All right, question number two. How do you learn to develop in emotionally supporting your spouse when you are not an emotional person. For, for example, all men. Correct. <laughs> so Nate and Wayne, 
How do you grow in emotionally supporting your spouse when you are not particularly an emotional person? I tell him to call. I tell my wife to call Mark Randall. <laughs> because after I heard that he put a note in his, uh, that Mark put a note in Lisa's suitcase, that put me on the pile. So, uh, no. Um, there again, I, I, I'm an intuitive person, but I, I can't figure my wife out, uh, to be honest with you. Just, I need to talk, need to communicate. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things uh, she'll say sometimes is she'll tell me something uh, about work or something, and I'll just sit there and stare, okay? And, she'll, and she takes that as I don't care, I'm not listening. And, and, I'm, and, and I told her, I said, I'm trying to figure out my answer, <laughs> what, 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 you know, but... Uh, so I think one thing really helps me is just to to be pro uh, to be proactive in asking her questions. You know, just when she comes home and it's it's work, but when she comes home, I know she's been in a situation where she had been in a, a meeting at school. She's a school teacher, and or uh, at home, and our kids were small, and just ask her, you know, uh, what's going on? Tell me about this, and then be reactive and actually listen. And uh, and and for me, I have to be. Uh, one thing that I, that I have to be face to face with her with no distractions. I can't be watching TV and listening to her. I, I, have to, I can only do one thing at a time. So I uh, really try to just stare her in the eye and, and listen. And then she knows I'm listening to her and give her feedback, things like that. Um, that didn't Cynthia used to have this great line about, I want you to listen with your face? Yeah, Remember that? Yeah, yeah. She, Not your, I want you to listen with your face. Yeah, so don't, don't look at your phone as you're listening. Yeah, she wants me to. Stare, face to face, <laughs> contact. Real close like this. Yeah, she gets real close like that. <laughs> well, Wayne, why don't you answer for again from yeah. the non-emotional people? This wouldn't be a strong suit for me. Let um, me make one comment on, on what uh, Nate said. This is an axiom. Men don't multitask. Women can. It's just a fact. If you don't know that, you'll learn that. It's absolutely true. Men don't multitask well. So I would really echo what Nate said. It's really important when you're having any conversation with your wife that's of any significance, and hopefully most of them are, that you really give her your attention. That means if you're watching NFL, turn it off. If you're reading a book, if you're reading your Bible, if you're <laughs> looking at your phone, really put that stuff aside and look at your wife and give her your full attention. I think... Just listening skills are, are a really big deal in terms of mostly supporting your wife. Listen to her and, and give her a chance to actually talk and not be, while she's talking, thinking about, well, I've got to do this and I need to go do this and I've got to do that, but really give her your attention. I think that's a, that's a big, I think that's a big supportive thing for wives. I'm not sure what she thinks. But, you know. uh, all right, before you two answer, Nate, I want you to tell a story. Uh, years ago, before either of us had kids, uh, Nate and I drove to Winchester early one morning, played golf. We were gone all day. And uh, Lisa and Cynthia couldn't wait to hear about our day. So, Nate, go from there. No, no, same thing. Uh, okay. So, Mark and I, this is the 90s, I think. Uh, they were newly married. We'd been married for a while. But, uh, uh, we went to play golf, so it's 30 minutes to Winchester and then 30 minutes home. And two people playing golf, it's about a four-hour experience. And so uh, I came back, and Cynthia said, uh, 
So you spent four hours with Mark Randall. What did y'all talk about? I said, well, should I use an iron or a wood? Uh, should I chip on the green or putt on the green? I said, we talked about golf. We went to play golf. We talked about golf. She goes, you got to be kidding me. If I had four hours with Mark Randall, I would know everything about him. I said, but that wasn't the purpose. The purpose was to play golf. And, uh, and so, so literally, uh, we only talked golf yeah, all day long. That was it? And we talked, I didn't ask about We Cynthia's? talked about how well we were going to play before we went and how badly we played when we, on the way home. And, and, and the point is, is that, you know, men really are, we're like file cabinets. We, we think of one thing at a time. So we're, we're playing golf. We're talking about golf. So we're thinking about golf. And I think sometimes because women are like a, uh, a whiteboard, they think about everything at the same time. Uh, sometimes my wife will, early in marriage would be offended because she would think, well, you don't care about me. I said, no, I, I, I only, I care about the golf right now, but I, <laughs> it doesn't sound very romantic when I pull out my wife file. Don't ever say that to your wife. She's not here. Don't ever say, oh, now I'm going to pull out my wife. That does not work. Um, but, um, but we had to learn the, that I really do. I, I don't know about you men, but my wife gets so mad at me when I'm driving. If we're talking, I'll pass my driveway every time because I cannot think one thing, one thing at a time. I've driven past my driveway so many times because we're engaged in this conversation. So, uh, uh, but I think that's really important in marriage uh, to be a student of your, your spouse. And one of the things, we're just different. You know, we, you know, we think differently, and, and, and that can be a plus in uh, a struggle. Yeah, that, that story answers a couple of our questions, but from an emotional standpoint, it highlights the fact that, man, we, we're not talking about how you're doing. We're not talking about life. We're simply talking about the purpose at hand, golf. Okay. One quick addition to that. <clears throat> Men can think about nothing. Well. Now, I hear giggles from ladies. Yeah. It's true. Like, like uh, the brief, brief story with uh, nieces and nephews. We're sitting around. They're married. They've got some young kids and and we're at our hunting cabin at the time we had a place where we liked oh, I like to hunt and so uh, my uh, niece says so what, what do you what do you think about when you're on the deer stand for four hours I said nothing <laughs> this blank look on her face like, nothing you don't think about anything for four hours no <laughs> and all the guys in the room are nodding their head and all the women are going, what? Yeah. <laughs> Men can come to the point a lot more quickly. Uh, there was a day when my oldest two were young teens and a phone call came in. I'm standing there with my daughter who's about um, 16, son about 13, and uh, my daughter's friend. And so the phone call came and the whole conversation was, hi, no, bye. That was the entire phone conversation <laughs> from my son. And the, we all looked at each other, and he said, well, they just wonder if I was going to go to that gathering that was happening at, you know, after school. And I said, no. And we said, you can have an entire conversation in three words and nobody's feelings are hurt. Because if it were the women, we said, no, thanks for calling. Checking, you know, no, not, not this time. I got this going. But men can be much more succinct in their um, conversations. Um, and I think that's really important. There was a, because as women, I think we can let our minds go places that um, they don't need to go. We had uh, uh, the privilege of sharing life with a young couples group for several years, and they were all newlyweds. And this uh, conversation came one night uh, similar to this subject, 
And the one lady said, when we take trips in the car, my husband can be very quiet sometimes and go long times without saying anything. And she said, so in my mind, I have a narrative. He's thinking, why did I marry this woman? <laughs> you know, I could have married somebody else. You know, she's driving me nuts. So she, she actually has these imaginings of what's going through his mind. She finally <laughs> broke the silence and asked him, you know, gosh, you've been quiet a long time. Is everything okay? You know, what are you thinking about? And he said, nothing. And she said, you can think, you can go that long and not think about anything? He said, sure, yeah, I'm driving. You know, I'm getting us safely to where we're going to go. And it was very revelatory for her. And so um, we've, you know, enjoyed that opportunity to encourage that there are such differences. Lisa, anything you want to add to this one? Or Lisa and Sandra, can you think of a time when um, your husbands have, have actually engaged emotionally and, and done it well? I mean, maybe you can't think of a time whatsoever, but <laughs> hypothetically. <laughs> it, no, I, <laughs> I mean, just thinking about men, are we're not good at it. Well, can you think of a time where maybe, you know what, he, he did. He asked a good question. Okay. I, I feel like I'm kind of the odd person out here and everybody that knows this is probably secretly laughing because you are really, really good at this. I'm, I'm emotive, but I'm, I don't know that I'm intentionally into your world as well as you are into mine. And so you do this really, really well in so many ways that, I mean, I, so I, I will give you an example of one that um, on one of my big birthdays, I can't remember if it was 30 or 40 not 50 yet, but we went away for the weekend, and he had come up with, do you remember? 30 40. 40. Yeah. Okay, see? I don't remember. Um, he came up with 40 things that you liked about me, loved yeah. about See, I can't remember them, but it was very special. You were sitting in rocking chairs in front of a fireplace, and he literally went through every single one of these things, and he came up with 40. Like, I was touched and impressed and he really like put lots of thought into it so it's really when you put thought into something beforehand that I think is so good because I know that it's you've been intentional for instance like the thing that you did when you were in Mexico and you wrote it beforehand knowing when I come home I'm going to do this so you're very intentional in thinking what could I do that would encourage or speak love and I mean maybe it's because you would like it done for you I don't know but you're very good at that so kind of like what Nate was saying, when, when you think ahead, yeah. so that, yes. that's good. Sandra, anything you'd add to that? I think for me, for us raising a large family, having five children, Wayne's um, being tuned in to those challenges and so affirming. And when we're in public, um, Wayne is always very honoring. And I just feel like that's laid such a foundation for us mm. um, that there are many things that he could, it could have gone another way. So he's good at... Um, uh, I'm going to give a story as an example. Uh, Good. When we were young married and everything was so tight financially with med school and all, so I started cutting Wayne's hair and I figured I can do it better than the, butch than the barber that's butchering his hair. <laughs> so then in later years, um, it became a time that, you know, obviously we had a captive audience, you know, it's just Wayne me and the scissors, and you know, here we go. And I typically looked at it as a time that we could have conversation. I learned that I had to manage that because Wayne, um, he can be quiet while he's having a haircut too, but it was okay. But one day, in the, it was an early morning haircut, and we, for whatever reason, we had not 
illuminated the area well. I think the kids were still <laughs> sleeping. And I cut his ear. I cut the top of his ear. And let me tell you, those ears bleed. I mean, those, those suckers bleed. And we took, it took a while to get it stopped. And then when he showered, doggone, it started bleeding again. And then he had early rounds at the nursing home before he went to have office hours. And um, in the midst of the exam, it started bleeding again. And so this is, he tells me later, I'm not there, but you know, he, then they went and got gauze and he's applying direct pressure and they said, gosh, Dr. Marla, what happened? And he said, oh, my barber nicked me. And I thought, <laughs> I will continue cutting your hair. Because he didn't throw me under the bus, so um, yeah. Brilliant, my barber. Uh, who? Who's your barber now? You look pretty good. Who's, okay. your, bar who's your barber, Rev? Uh, Lisa is my barber as well. Uh, all great, right. great clips. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, coach. All right, question number three. This is good. There's a stigma of married folks among the single community that once folks are married, they cut time off with other friends, and can appear self-absorbed. Any tips on maintaining rich community with other couples and single friends, as well as how to draw the line with prioritizing marriage versus being devoted to friends? All right, Nate. Yeah, I, I do quite a bit of premarital counseling, and um, especially with young couples, uh, I've seen this happen, where, uh, you know, they, they meet their spouse, and they're in love, and, and next thing you know, for the next year or two, uh, they isolate themselves uh, from other people, uh, the church, just because they, they just tend to meet each other's needs. And uh, the problem with that is uh, when life does go wrong and all of a sudden they look to someone else, there's no one there. The, their friends have kind of gone on with life and, and I've seen this. And, and this, I think, is a pitfall to, to marriage. So we always talk about this, how, you know, if you're in a healthy marriage, it should bring the best of you out. Uh, you should bring the best out of the, in the other person if you're you know in a healthy marriage and you would want your spouse to uh, develop fully uh, uh, through the spirit uh, comes out and you would want your spouse to be all she can be um, or he so she's going to need other women uh, to input in her life he's going to need other men to have to ment to, to be mentored to be how to be a good husband and uh, do things as a couple. And that is a little tricky uh, if you have if you're a guy and you have a girl that's a friend and also she marries someone else. Uh, there's some boundaries that will immediately go up, and that you know that could be hard. But uh, I would suggest you do things as a couple. And some of you couples are introverted, extroverted, but uh, you just take a little bit of initiative uh, after you you know in, even now being married many many years to invite another couple over. Uh, don't wait on to be invited, uh, but you you take initiative. Um, I did a wedding last summer. They're actually in this room here. And, uh, and uh, I got invited to their Super Bowl party and their newlyweds and I walked into this room and there were people from her work, there were people, singles, couples, and it was the room full of happy people watching Super Bowl. And, uh, and it was a great example of a young couple reaching out. You, uh, they, they bring the best out in each other and so they, they actually said, hey, let's, let's have a party, let's reach out to, to our friends. And so they took initiative and reached out to their friends. Uh, and so I think that's a, that's a great example. But you, you have to take initiative. You can't just sit around, but you've gotta, you, you can't expect someone to invite you. You've got to take initiative with them, and, and you'll have a lot of fun doing that. I well, I would say probably the best place that Mark and I have this right now would be our parish group. 
our parish group, we have all different seasons of life, ages and everything, and that has been such a sweet place for us to be in contact and fellowship with people that maybe are not where we are in life, and so we can glean from people, and we can also remember where we were or what happened, and so the parish group has been huge for us, especially when we all come together, and then even when we break off separately. It's interesting the things that will happen in just the women's parish group time as opposed to what happens in the men's parish group time, but that's it's beautiful at the same time, so I'm glad that we have that. The other place that I've found it a lot that I've enjoyed so much is the lift groups. It puts me in contact with someone, even though it's just once a month, I have friendships that I have made in that lift group that now when I see them at church or I know what's going on in their life, some of them are single school teachers, some of them are widowed, some of them, they're just very different seasons of life, and I feel like the Lord has given me friendship with them because we studied a book together and we shared prayer requests and we had a fellowship meal even for once a month. So I'm a huge proponent of that. Marlowe's, anything to add to that one? You know, the only thing I, I, I would, I guess I'd say a couple of things. I, I agree with the need for relationships other than your spouse relationship. That's really important. And I, and I think um, I, I see an, another perspective in my practice sometimes, and, the, and that is, the, 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 you know, you, you've got young singles to meet each other, decide to get married, and the guy wants to continue his exact same relationship with his buddies as he had before. Yeah. And I, I, I personally, and this is an opinion, I don't think that can be like it was for the past 10 years. I think there needs to be a change in that relationship. That's not the primary relationship now. Your spouse is. And I think, I think you know, the every Friday night going out with the guys to the bar and drinking and then going hunting all day Saturday and Sunday and you've got your wife home with maybe by herself or with two young kids, uh, I, I think there needs to be a shift there. Mm. Not a severance, but a change. And so I, I think, and I see that on the women's side too. And again, in my practice, it becomes a real um, friction in, in marriages is because the gal is still going out with her lady friends all the time and is not focusing on their relationship and building that. And I think that, especially that first year or two, are pretty critical. You're, you're, you're butting heads and rubbing shoulders and learning about each other and I think building that relationship. I think it's not unreasonable to pull back a little bit. You still need fellowship with other brothers and sisters and so I think in the church is a wonderful place to do that. But I, that would be my perspective. It's probably a little different maybe than Nate's. But. All right, last question. I'll summarize, I won't read the whole thing, but just summarize. How important is it uh, for husbands to invest time in other male circles and wives to invest time in strictly female circles. That is, how important is it to have some guy buddies where your, your only friend is your spouse? Is that a dangerous thing? You need to have, like, I, I need to go and play golf. Whatever. Speak to that. Nate, did you give that one some thought? I did. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's very important. It, I was going to tell that story about the golf thing under this question because uh, you, your wife can never meet all of your needs. You're just different and, and vice versa. And so you, men need to be me men. Uh, we need to go out and uh, grunt and, and you know, do, do men things together. And, and a lot of times 
we may not communicate very deeply, but we, we go out and do things together. There's something about that. And someone said one time that men are like a, a rubber band. Uh, you know, we can only stretch out and be intimate for so long, but then all of a sudden that band snaps and we got to go back and talk about the cats, you know, and, and be, be men, you know. And, and uh, So I think it's very important for men to cultivate relationships with men and women because there's things that I just don't understand my, what my wife is going through, but there's a young lady, or Lisa, they go walking all the time and they talk about things that, and I'm so grateful for Lisa talking to my wife because I just, I just don't get it, don't understand because I'm not, like, we're just different. So I think it's very important to cultivate friendships. And another thing too I think about is, uh, you know, we need older men to speak into our life. We need peers to hang out with, but then we also need younger people to invest in. Uh, you, all of you have something to share and to give to the younger generation. And I think uh, those we need men, I need men in all three levels like that. Well, this is a huge one for me. I love my um, girl relationships because there are certain things that are going on in my life or with my body or my age and stage that I need a girlfriend that I can talk to these things. Is this normal? Am I crazy? What do I do? Help me. What if, you know, I need someone that can speak truth into my life that gets me and understands me because sometimes Mark just... I think you need to go for a walk. You know, like, I need some time to dialogue. And so I was laughing as we were talking about this. Cynthia and I would, will meet about once a week in the summer and go walk at the Arboretum, three or four miles. And so we're walking, getting exercise. We catch up on how she and Nate are doing, how Mark and I are doing. We go through Nathan, we go through Lewis, we go through Will, we go through Macy, we go through Sarah, we go through Keaton. We even go through our animals, we go through vacation. I mean, we just cover every gamut of life. And it's like, oh, I feel so connected. And, you know, she'll pick up something I might have shared the week before. Well, how is this going? Or how are you feeling about that? Or what's going on? And it's just, it's so refreshing. And I come home and I've met all of my needs. And then he is like, oh, so did you have a good walk? I said, oh, it was great. Okay. And that's all that we need to know. So, so much easier to just send her on a walk. They talk, uh, they talk about the animals first. <laughs> all right. Marlo's anything to add on that one? I think you're, um, when you said the word refresh, um, I, I was, uh, that was going to be one of my key words because there are things that in husband and wife relationships that drain and there are things that refresh. And sometimes for the, wim for the women, we're very refreshed with a lot of words. And for men, sometimes that can be draining. And mm -hmm. so my perspective when Wayne has opportunity to go do things, whether it's a hunting or whatever, is I need to be really clear that there's no uh, baggage on my side of, like, uh, of guilt because if it's done in balance, it's, it's a time that he's going to come back refreshed. And then um, it goes vice versa because he knows when I have talk time with women, it's probably going to be something that I come refreshed and when we come back together, it's from a healthy, balanced relationship to be able to enjoy each other even more. Yeah, yeah I think the key word is balance there. I think, I think when things get out of balance and you've got the guy spending all of his time with the guys and the women spending all their time with the women, then, then it's hard for that husband and wife to have the kind of relationship they should have. So you know, maybe I sound like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but I, I, I do think that guys need to continue to have guy relationships and do things with guys and women the same way. Because I do think that we're not going to get all of our needs met by our spouse. You know, I think you're going to have some needs that are met by the ladies and the guys with the guys. You know, that, yeah, women doesn't usually want to go out and shoot guns. Guys like that, or some of them. Do. You know, it's just finding different different things. So, 
Our, our Scottish friends are fascinated uh, by our desire to go out and shoot guns. In Scotland, if, if they find a gun in your house, it's minimum 21 years in jail. Uh, so in America, it's kind of crazy. Let's go shoot some guns. Um, you know, but I was even thinking about that in, in our life. Ten or so years ago, I used to be in a men's tennis league, and we practiced every Tuesday night over at the Lexington Tennis Club. And that, without me realizing it, that became one of my favorite nights of the week because we would play tennis, but then we would sit around uh, for hours afterwards and talk sports, politics, whatever. And you know what? I, I think if I don't have a little bit of that in my life, I get boring. <laughs> like, I just, it's just good for me. Uh, on Thursday mornings at Company of Men, we do some Bible study, but we talk a lot of sports, a lot of politics, a lot of life, a lot of fun. And it, it's, honestly, it's good. It's just good to be with some guys and talk about stuff that we enjoy talking about that, that I mean, Lisa might want to talk about Donald Trump for a minute, but she doesn't want to continue to this conversation of good, bad, or ugly. What it, but it, it was, you know, for guys, it's just kind of a good thing to do. So, uh, all right, we're out of time. Uh, let's give a round of applause to our panel. And let me pray and thank the Lord for this. Father, I do pray that you would give healthy marriages throughout the bluegrass. I pray that you'd do that at TCPC. I pray that you'd do that in churches throughout our community. Uh, Father, I, I pray that marriage, that our marriages would honor you and uh, that, Jesus, you would be our source of all strength in that. We pray in your name. Amen.